At North Point Community Church, we are passionate about helping our community move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. And we hope this message helps you do that. Thank you for tuning in. All right. <clears throat> hey, good morning, church. How are we today? Good. Some of us are good. Some of us don't want to talk about it. And we won't go there. That's okay. That's okay. No big deal. Uh, hey, uh, when I graduated from college, um, I got to take this amazing trip with my dad. Uh, we flew all the way across the world and went to Australia and New Zealand and spent two weeks together just traveling the countries. And it was incredible. Uh, when we were in Australia, we got to go to the edge of the outback. We got to see the Sydney Opera House, the Olympic Village. I pet a kangaroo which is cooler to me apparently than you, that's okay. Um, <laughs> we flew over to New Zealand. I learned to do the haka, you know, they're like, ah, right? That whole dance, if you've ever seen that. Um, we went deep sea fishing. I watched people who had a cable attached to their back literally jump off of a building, wild to be able to watch, right? Like it was an incredible two weeks with my dad, memories that I will never ever forget. But one of my favorite memories from that entire trip uh, was we went driving together all the way to like basically the top of the North Island there in New Zealand uh, to what is called 90 Mile Beach. It's this beautiful beach. It's actually only 55 miles long, uh, but it's this beautiful beach that you can actually take a car out and drive along and see the, the western coast there uh, of these gorgeous beaches and this gorgeous sand of this beautiful, beautiful country uh, together there. It's completely legal. It's a public highway actually on the beach that you get to drive. Uh, and so my dad and I drove to the top of this island together in our small two-wheel sedan there. And as we drove, like right before you get on the beach, we saw this sign. And this sign said, four-wheel drive vehicles recommended. And I just remember like the look of excitement in my dad's eye when he looks at me and he goes, hey, should we try it? <laughs> and I remember saying to him specifically, dad, I'm not really sure that this little vehicle was designed for driving on beaches. He goes, yeah, but we drove all the way here. It's taken us all day. When are we ever going to be back in New Zealand? When are we ever going to be at this beach? I'm like, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's just give it a try, right? Let's just go. Let's try it. So I remember his, his foot pushes the gas, and we take off, right? He goes, vroom, clump. Man, we didn't get 15 feet onto that beach before we're stuck. And being the wise son that I am, I looked at my dad and said, I'm not sure this vehicle is designed to drive on the beach, Dad. Right? At that point in time, he just wanted to punch me, but we had conversations. It was good, right? And so, all of that time we spent, and yet we tried to go on a, the beach with a vehicle not designed to do it. Over the next few weeks, man, we are going to jump into this series, uh, and we're going to talk all about design, mainly this idea that God is a God of design, that He has plans, that He is purposeful, that He is intentional that he knows what is best, and that we struggle <laughs> with all of those things, that we struggle with things like our identity. We struggle with things like gender roles or relationships or what it is that we're to value or want or, or really what we think is best. And so what I'm going to do this morning is just kind of help us out for the whole series. Uh, I'm just going to give you the spoiler. I'm just going to tell you right now what you need to know for this entire series, that in everything we talk about for the next few weeks, man, we are going to land at this one main idea, that if you, if you get this idea, if you believe in this, if you trust in this, man, it can change absolutely everything about yourself and the way that you view others. So here's the spoiler. You ready? When God is your desire, you can trust his design. When God is your desire... You can trust his 
design. See, a lot of times we struggle because, man, we just don't like God's design. And so we try to change it or, or we try to explain it away until it's something that, that maybe we like better, something that is more uh, comfortable or acceptable, or at the very least, it's just less risky than what we have. But the reason that we struggle so much with God's design for who we are and the relationships that we have with others is, man, at the very core, God is just not our desire. Something else is, whether it's success or acceptance or temptation, comfort, fame, control, significance. Man, the list could go on and on and on. There's been something else that has been placed at the top spot of our desires. And everything else around us will tell us that these things, man, they matter more. It's more important to climb the ladder. It's more important to be comfortable. It's more important to be accepted. And that getting that, man, that's what's going to make us feel whole. That's what's going to make us feel right. But it's just not true. It's just not true that anything we pursue outside of God, anything we pursue outside of his design is just not going to fulfill us. Because the truth is, man, sin never does. The whole remains the same inside of us. That emptiness stays put. And no matter what anybody else will tell you, no matter what it looks like on TV, no matter what it looks like on social media or story that you've read, man, pursuing the wrong desires is never going to fulfill you. And so this morning, uh, we're just going to look at what God says in his word, all about having the right identity and pursuing the right designs. I think there's three things that we can look to in the Bible that are all about identity. Uh, There's a lot in this world that we can choose to identify ourselves with. Uh, Politics, uh, social causes, uh, careers, sports teams, where you live, right? How much money you make, gender, sexuality, race, hobbies. The list goes on and on and on. In fact, if you were to search, there's like a billion Facebook groups for each and every single one of those things. And there are gonna gonna be people who tell you, man, that their thing is the thing that you should identify yourself with. And then there's gonna be people that are gonna tell you, man, there is nothing that you can identify yourself with. Man, you are are way too complex and yet abstract and evolving to just be placed in some, some kind of box, Yet as Christ followers, man, we seek truth from God. And so we dive into his word to find that. So every issue, every question for us, man, it starts with scripture. And so that's where we're going to go. Three things that the Bible reveals to us about our identity. The very first one we're going to jump into is this idea that, man, as Christ followers, we are image bearers. We are image bearers. Bearers. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 tells us this here. In verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So in these two verses at the beginning of the Bible, like the very first chapter of the Bible, we get an example of, man, just the very base level of our identity. Three times in these verses, it states that mankind is made in the image of God. That means that every person ever to walk this planet 
is an image bearer of God. In the Hebrew, if we were to break it down, uh, it gives the meaning here, this idea that we are similar but not identical to the thing that we represent. In other words, man, as human beings, we are similar but not identical to God. And it's important because what that does is it shows that all humanity, all humanity has value. That every person has value above all other creation and it is rooted in that God literally placed his own image onto mankind. So your identity at its very base level is that of an image bearer of God. Now for some, man, it just stops there. That's like as good as it will get. But for others of us, man, it just gets so much better. The second thing the Bible tells us here uh, is that our image, or is that our identity, is that of a child of God. A child of God. First John chapter one says this. It says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, who, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, these verses are beautiful. They're talking about Jesus that Jesus, who, who was a part of creation all the way back in Genesis and gave his image with the rest of God onto mankind, later, later on came into the world and that he made a way for those who receive and believe in him to be called children of God. Romans 8 puts it this way. It says, so then, brothers, we are, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And this is where our identity gets really, really cool. For those of us that know Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of our life, man, not only are we image bearers of God, but we get to be a child of God. Like, stop and think about that for a second. How cool of a title that you get to own, that part of Jesus redeeming us and bringing us back into a right relationship with God by taking our penalty and our place, man, is that we are now adopted into the family of God, that we are sons and daughters into the family of God. What does that mean? Man, it means that, that the name of God is placed upon you. It means that you get an inheritance from God, that you get a unique relationship with God, that as a child of God, you get the privilege of God, that you get the protection of God, that you get guidance from God, and probably best of all, man, you get the love of God to be poured out on you as a son and daughter of God. And so we are image bearers of God, and then if we have Jesus, man, we are, we are children of God. And then it goes a step farther in that, man, we are now a new creation, a new creation. Second Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Part of our identity is wrapped up in this idea that, man, we just are not who we used to be. That being a child of God means that you are a new creation. And it's one of the most freeing things in the world to recognize that, man, you are not the person that you used to be anymore. You are not that guy anymore. That when Jesus comes in to your life, that guy is gone. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna make mistakes or you're gonna make, not gonna make bad choices, but rather it means that you are not wrapped up in those mistakes and choices anymore. You simply aren't that guy. You're a new creation. Just a few verses before this one, it says that, you, uh, that we are to no longer live for ourselves, but now, man, we live for Jesus because Jesus died for us, that he defeated sin for us. See, here's the beautiful thing. All three of these ideas or principles add up to one thing, that our identity is not about us, that our identity is not about us. See, everything in culture tries to identify us by something that we can, we can put a label on ourselves, whether it's gender, whether it's our sex, whether it's bank account, education, race, ethnicity, job title, et cetera, et cetera. But as somebody who follows Jesus, somebody who's been changed by Jesus, somebody who's committed to the mission of Jesus, man, we're not identified by any of those things. And we don't want to be. Placing our identity in those things, and it'll leave us lacking. It's gonna leave us, us wanting and empty. Our identity is instead rooted in being an image bearer of God who has been adopted into the family of God because of Jesus and made into a new creation that is bent on serving him. Our identity is not about us. Our identity is about who Jesus is in us. And when we recognize who we are, who God has redeemed us and transformed us into, man, it's, it'll begin to change our desires. See, a child of God wants to be like dad. A child of God trusts dad. A child of God imitates dad. A child of God loves dad. A new creation doesn't follow old ways. A new creation goes into a brand new direction. See, if our identity is in Jesus, then our desire is not of this world. Instead, our desire is God. And when God is our desire, man, then we can trust his design. See, design is everywhere around us, all the time. Everywhere we look, we see design. All of God's creation reveals to us and shows us that we serve a God who is a God of design. In fact, uh, in Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, when we read the creation story, the first story of the entire Bible is all about how God designed all of creation by speaking it into existence, that he layered creation one on top of another into design. He started out with making light, and then he set the sky up into its place. And then he placed dry land with seas and plants and trees. And he dropped in the sun and the moon and the stars above and all around that land. And then he tossed some creatures into the sea and into the air. And then he placed animals on the land and he, he literally raised mankind up from the dirt, breathed life into it and placed his image upon it. And then he rested and just saw how good his design is. I mean, that everything ever created was designed by God with intention 
and purpose. In fact, the earth we know is located uh, in the universe in what is called the Virgo supercluster of galaxies. Now, a supercluster is a group of galaxies held together by gravity. And within this supercluster, we're in a smaller group of galaxies called the local group. The local group. And Earth is the second largest galaxy in our local group. It's a galaxy called the Milky Way, right? We've all heard of the Milky Way before. Uh, it's, it's Halloween, so enjoy your candy, right? Uh, we've heard of the Milky Way. The Milky Way is a large spiral galaxy, and the Earth is located in one of the spiral arms of the Milky Way. It's called the, the Orion Arm there. And it lies about two-thirds of the way out from the center of the galaxy, and within that galaxy, we are part of a solar system. And for us, that is, that is a group of eight planets, as well as numerous comets and asteroids and dwarf planets that all are orbiting the sun. And we are the third planet from the sun in our solar system. And when you stop and think about it and look at all of that, you recognize that all of it was designed by God with purpose and intention. In fact, you're sitting there right now uh, with your body, and it is made up of, of a skeletal system and a muscular system and nervous system and endocrine and cardiovascular, lymphatic, respiratory, digestive, urinary, and reproductive systems. Otherwise, you're dead, right? So like all of those things are inside of you, each and every single one of those systems designed by God with purpose and intention. In fact, if you're like me, you get up every single morning uh, and when you're making your coffee, you check on the weather. And you see, what is it going to look like today so you know how to dress, so you know how to prepare for the day? What's it going to be like? And what you are really checking is a combination of air temperature, air pressure, fog, humidity, cloud cover, precipitation, wind speed, and direction. That weather is a design from God with purpose and intention. See, God is a God of design. God is a God of design. He creates with purpose and intention. And it's not just true of our bodies. It's not just true of our universe, but it applies to our every single day that God has created a design for you, for who you are and how you are to interact with other people. He has design for your relationships. He has design for your roles. He has design for your sexuality. He has design for every single part of you. In fact, if we go back to where we started this whole thing again, right back to that passage in Genesis when God created mankind and we saw that he established all of mankind's value and identity and being image bearers, in that very same passage, God also reveals he is a God of design. Look at Genesis 1 again. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. There's design. So God created man in his, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Design. See, in this passage, not only does God show us identity, but he also shows design. God created for mankind to have dominion over the earth and over all of creation on the earth, that mankind is to rule and is to care for the rest of creation. And there is design in the fact that mankind was given purpose and dominion. And God just didn't make something and say, hey, you know what? Let's just see how this goes. 
Let's just toss it out there and see how it goes. God wasn't a God of, of trial and error here. It wasn't chaos. God didn't just leave every single thing to chance. I mean, there is planning and intentionality and purpose all packed inside of God's design for mankind. We also see that God created design for how mankind was to interact with one another, that God created two sexes, both male and female, here in Genesis chapter two. It says, the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and, and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast as to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Man, there is design in that God created man and woman both to be unique and yet to be together. That God designed for there to be two sexes that are unique in design and yet coordinating in interaction. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna dive into this together. We're gonna talk through what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What do we do with things like singleness? What do we do with marriage? And the amazing part is we're gonna see in all of these things that God has a design for all of them, that it is not left to the whims and wishes or to culture or to feelings to define, but yet God has shown us through scripture that he has a design for all of these things. Now here's the thing, over this series, and maybe even today, as we talk about this, you could be feeling tension inside. You could be feeling the urge to just leave or be done with this at any single moment. You could be upset or uneasy about something that is said. Hang with us. Hang with us. I recognize for those that have experienced uh, divorce or betrayal or same-sex attraction or gender identity things that you may have been hurt by the church in the past. That somebody tried to give you truth, but man, there just was no love behind their words. Look, I am sorry that that happened to you. Please know you are loved. In fact, the entire reason that we are going to address what the Bible says about these things is because of love. Look, the truth is, if you're sleeping around outside of marriage, because uh, you are married or, 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 or before you're married or, or you're married to someone else, but you're, you're attracted to somebody else and you're sleeping around, man, you should stop because God has a better design for you. If you're kicking around the idea of getting a divorce because, man, you just think there's better options out there or your spouse just doesn't make you happy anymore, you should stop because God has a better design for you. And if you're drawn to act on, on feelings of same-sex attraction or you wanna change the gender that was placed upon you, then you should stop because God has a better design for you. Now, let me be clear. like We don't stop or change the design so that we can get access to God. Getting closer to Jesus is what changes us. It's getting closer to Jesus that changes us. That when God is our desire, man, 
then we can trust his design. When our happy view of marriage is our desire, you know, we don't trust God's design anymore when things are tougher than we thought. When our, our feelings of attraction to someone other than our spouse are our desire, and then we don't, we don't trust God's design for our marriage or our sexuality anymore. When getting the right design, the design that God orchestrated because he knows what is gonna be the most fulfilling thing for us is, a, is about making sure, man, that that is our right desire. When God is our desire, we can trust his design. See, we're gonna talk a lot over the next four weeks about, about God's design and how it works itself out uh, over our identity and over our relationships. And my challenge as we're gonna dive into these talks over the next four weeks is to really stop and just take an, 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 inv an inventory of your, of your desires. Ask yourself the questions, man, what is it that you want? What is it that matters the most to you? See, our desires breed our actions. My family and I uh, recently undertook a, a weight loss challenge together, um, and we even threw money on the line to like, make sure we would all stay up for this together, and we updated each other with what our weight loss goals look like and our numbers and our percentages, and, and I've got a spreadsheet on my computer all about these things, and what I learned is that my desire for losing weight and my desire for being healthy had a limit. <laughs> it had a limit. Like, I'm okay giving up some sweet things, and, and I can cut down on pop, but, but bread and cheese and convenience, those are my limits, okay? <laughs> when I'm busy, McDonald's is right there. They've got great deals. Yeah, right there it is. Like, that's what happens to me. I want to feel good. I want to be healthy. But if I'm honest, it's not the only thing that I want. It's a desire in my life, but it is not the desire. And for a lot of us, God is a desire, but he is not the desire. We want God, and we want him in, in parts of our lives. We want God in our painful moments, or we want God in our private life, or we want God uh, in some of our relationships. But honestly, we don't want God in our finances, or in our sexuality, or in our work relationships. And he can come into parts of my marriage and parts of my parenting, but he can't come into all of those things. He is a desire, but he is not the desire. He is one of, of many. And so we're split. And we are we're fractured into a lot of different areas. And we follow a lot of different designs into a lot of different areas of our lives. Man, but when God is the desire, we can trust his design. So man, I would ask you, I would beg you as we begin to dive into what can be some hard and uncomfortable subjects over the next couple weeks, what do you want? What matters to you? What is your desire? See, what I believe and what I hope you'll trust is that by, by making God your everything, you can begin to take steps one by one of trusting him and his design for you more and more and more, that his design is better than my feelings. It is better than my opinions. It is, it is better than my reasoning, better than my understanding. It usually doesn't happen overnight. It typically takes a lot longer on this journey. Why? Because relationships always take time to develop. But eventually, 
we can land in a place where God is our desire and we can trust his design and we can see that he is good and he is right and ultimately that God is best. Let's pray this morning. Father God, it is so easy in our world to be caught up and placing our identity in every single thing but you. Everything is divisive. Everything wants to have a label. But man, when we have Jesus, that's the thing that matters. That growing closer to you, knowing you more, God, recognizing that you are our identity, God, man, then that will change our desires. And as a change of our desires, God, then we can recognize that in every aspect of our life, you have designed. So God, we just ask that in those areas where we just don't trust the design or we're not sure about it or maybe we just don't like it. God, maybe we just get more of you because the closer we are to you, the more we get of you, the more we'll see you are right. We'll see that you are good and that you are for us, Jesus. We love you and we pray in your name, Jesus.